What does all pop culture have in common? It is on the internet. Why don't you be like all pop culture and put yourself on the internet with a website from Squarespace? They make it easier than ever to launch your passion project, showcase your work, sell products and services of any kind, or just be you, very fun with your own shingle in this online world that we all use. The best way to know how great it is is to see it in action, so head to squarespace.com cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam. I'm also known as Schmitty the Champ. And I am also, also thinking about James Bond and thinking about my grandmother. Don't freak out. She wasn't in a Bond movie or or nothing. It's nothing like that. But when I was a kid, my grandma Schmidt worked at our local library, and that was great. Every time my parents took us to the library, we'd swing by her office in the VHS tape department. Hey, wow, the past. And we'd also spend a dollar per VHS tape rental at that library there in Lyle, Illinois. And uh, that collection that they had formatted a lot of my pop cultural tastes because uh, they they didn't have a ton of, of VHSs and little brown plastic cases, but they did have two big piles of things. And one of them was the complete Star Trek original TV series, just on a string of tapes taking up a bunch of physical space. And the other stack there was the complete James Bond movie franchise, including high off the presses tapes of GoldenEye and of Tomorrow Never Dies, the freshest VHSs you could get. Anyway, I bring all that up because a focus on Bond and a focus on Star Trek TOS is pretty normal for an American media collection. Like if someone told you they had all that, you wouldn't be surprised. It's not fringe stuff. It fits our culture. But also by fixating on those touchstones, I was watching tape after tape where the male role models were James Bond and James Tiberius Kirk. I was a very, very little kid learning how to, say, be a male person interacting with a female person from James Bond and James T. Kirk. And are you familiar with those fellas? Do you know how do you know how Sean Connery and William Shatner played those characters interacting with women? It was pretty weird. And yet it was considered very, very normal. Don't get me wrong, you are allowed to like or even love both those franchises overall. I still do. But here's a way being alive is more interesting than people think it is. Almost all of pop culture treats female characters in very strange and specific ways. And pop culture is more fascinating if you notice that stuff. In particular, because a lot of the ways that pop culture treats female characters and treats women is much harder to notice than that obviously crazy Sean Connery stuff that we all we all can kind of pick out now. And that is the core of today's episode. We're talking about bizarre tropes about women that keep popping up in pop culture. One more time, that is bizarre tropes about women that keep popping up in pop culture. So there's a lot of fascinating and surprising things in here. You will be glad to be aware of them because it enriches your experience of the entire movie, TV, everything else world. There's also animation in here. There's also gaming in here. There's all kinds of different things that you enjoy and can see a whole new way. And we have two fantastic guests for digging into that today. Wonderfully funny and sharp comedy, folks. Returning guest Hallie Cantor is an old pal of mine from our college humor days. You can also find her comedy writing everywhere from The New Yorker to Arrested Development to the upcoming Hulu show Dollface. And then new guest Tiff Stevenson is a stand-up podcaster, actor, and writer who is very kindly making time for us as she swings through the United States. She is fresh off a hit run of her latest Edinburgh Fringe show, which is entitled Mother. She's also been on UK TV shows from Nevermind the Buzzcocks to Mock the Week to the UK version of The Office. You know? Yeah, the UK one. Both of them are so funny, so sharp, and dig into the ways things are gendered in our world to create hilarious comedy, often, uh, when they're making their own stuff. Uh, So the footnotes contain highlights of that, and they are perfect for digging into this fascinating subject. And I think that's all the setup you could need, so please sit back or drive down to your local library to pick up some Ian Fleming novels, because I know the early movies are crazy. The early movies are toning down the books. You will be Real surprised, real shocked. I'll let you enjoy all the surprise. No spoilers. Either way, here's this episode of the Cracked Podcast with Hallie Cantor and Tiff Stevenson. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then.
We've got so many pop cultural tropes here from all over all sorts of different things. I thought we might start with some of the ones we've got about, especially sci-fi and fantasy and those genres, because I think they're particularly weird and particularly specific. Uh, there's one uh, Tiffy picked out in particular where in especially sci-fi fantasy, and this is drawing on a cracked article, Five Weirdly Sexist Sci-Fi Fantasy Tropes That Just Won't Die by Cesare Janstruzowitz. But we're picking out here the idea that monsters and sex workers in a lot of sci-fi or fantasy, for some reason, they will all have unnatural breasts. Unnatural, yes. Now, by unnatural, we should specify that as opposed to talking about boob jobs, fake breasts. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're all real breasts. I mean, they're all, ultimately, they're, you know, I have big boobs, so people often say, are they yours? And I'm like, yeah, they're mine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just borrowing them. (laughs) Yeah. Like, are they yours? Uh, What they mean is, are are they real? But yes, it's, it's quite often you see characters in this, like, kind of more than two breasts. Yeah. Right? So um, we see it in Total Recall, don't we, with the the sex worker who has three breasts. And I, th- I don't know what the... I think it's men fear and love boobs. <laughs> like in equal... That's what I find. Like sometimes men don't know how to react around my... Like people assume that having big boobs is a great thing and it's it's not. They it, they love them and fear them in equal measure. So I guess more boobs, more than two <laughs> boobs is excellent because it's sexier, but it's also scarier. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, that, that does seem to be how Schwarzenegger takes it in Total Recall. Like, yeah. this is great and freaky. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think in the, is it Metapocalypse? It's yeah. kind of a monster version. So then yeah, it's me- almost... A metalocalypse, yeah, Metalocalypse. There we go. Yeah. There's a six-breasted monster. But then I feel <laughs> like we're kind of getting into the realm of kind of like animals and teats yeah. and... That kind of means something different. I think three is interesting because of, in terms of symmetry, you know, um, that there's something there. You know, why? Why are these? Why is it that if someone has three breasts, that they have to be someone that we fear? That there's some kind of monster, or that they're only there to fulfill someone's weird sexual desires? I do feel yeah. like there's. You could draw a weird graph of like two. Standard three, <laughs> exciting yeah. and sexy. But then once you get up to like six or eight, it's like it's just like udders. It's like now you're a cow or a dog or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. too much of a good thing. It's too, it's but I guess the most titillating, no pun intended, yeah. uh, amount is three, right? Like, can you think of any movies that have like a character with like four or five boobs? Yeah, that seems rare. Well, like, because the the excitement of sci-fi is that there are all sorts of different beings and, and species and types of things. And yet with Total Recall, like one of the most famous scenes in a movie full of mutants is specifically the three-breasted lady. Mm-hmm. Like all of us freaked out. Oh, that has to be there. They're doing the Total Recall remake and they made a point of advertising that there would still be a three-breasted woman. Like we stuck to tradition. <laughs> it's a very weird... All your favorite characters <laughs> will be back, including the third boob. <laughs> <laughs> and then the article picks out that in uh, Return of the Jedi in, in Star Wars, there's a character Yarna de Al Gargan, which you don't know that if you just watch the movie, but the encyclopedia says so, uh, who has six breasts and oh. is like a sex worker in Jabba's palace. And they couldn't make a toy of it because it was too sexual, uh, even though there's toys of everything in Star Wars. <laughs> right. Were the breasts bare? I'm presuming they were bare. Or were they, they have- covered with, with three bikinis? <laughs> There's like, it's like strips of, of fabric. Yeah. It's, so, that, so there's so not that, nipples, but so they were still. So that should be fine, right? Yeah. And it's interesting that she's defined as a sex worker because like, I, I just didn't think that like Jabba's palace like paid for sex or like, cause doesn't he also she's have a like, sex, slave. A sex slave? Yeah. yeah. But this woman has enough autonomy to be, she's a sex worker. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And- thorny territory of like whether she's exploited or not. I misspoke a bit. She's actually like technically a dancer. And then also there's like a sexual element to it because again, he's an alien gangster. So no rules. And you know, it's a whole thing. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and that being the starting point as well, obviously the layer scene in that film mm-hmm. for many, many teenage boys kind yeah. of, ideas or fantasies of Despite women. Despite only having two breasts. Yeah. <laughs> you'd think would be very boring. It is interesting that like, this is just like a bodily feature that you would think these characters are just born with, but it's like automatically it has to be like hypersexualized. Like they're either like a sexy monster or a person whose income comes from being a sex worker. It's like, but it, it's just how their body is. Maybe one, like there should be like a three-breasted character who's like a librarian or. Yeah, just doing a job that her body has nothing to do with. Yeah. But also, are we seeing two dicked men? 
in <laughs> any of these. There's that Reddit thread about the guy with two dicks. Have you ever seen that? Oh, no. it's a real guy. Oh, oh wow. You should definitely look it up. Uh, he did like an ask me anything. Yeah. And people have a lot of questions. Yes. <laughs> as <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> Strap in. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. And he's just like, oh, he refers to them as like lefty and righty. Uh, <laughs> and like one of them is like the leader. Like has more to do. Let me tell you, nicknaming them lefty and righty, classic male creativity. Yeah. That is that is solid. No, I don't think I've seen in in fiction a character that has multiple. Dicks. I mean, it is, it's the big deal in The Watchmen for me. Is oh. the older Doctor Manhattan's gigantic blue penis? Oh, yeah. I mean that because he goes from like wearing clothes to eventually just shedding it, and then he's just like, you know, this big bald blue dude with his yeah. nuts. Do you, to, do you get to see his giant blue dick in the comics or is it always yeah. like out of frame? Yeah, in the, in, the, yeah. Uh, 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 in the graphic novel. Oh, yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> well done, well done. Yeah. Yes, but you do see it. You, do, you see it. It's all there. Does he have two balls? Yeah. The standard amount? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was like split at a, is it subatomic level I'm looking for? Is that the words I'm looking for? I think that's and right. actually kind of like managed to re-amass himself. Yeah, it's a whole form. bunch of splash panels of him being broken apart and put back together. Yeah. Like a watch. Yeah. And then just his blue penis is in like a lot of the panels. It's <laughs> yeah. very common uh, that it's just there hanging out. Big uh, blue dick yeah. just swinging in the breeze. <laughs> yes. I'm also two episodes into the show. It's there. They uh, totally nice. do it. Yeah. Oh. It's HBO. They're allowed. Yeah. yeah I haven't but, seen yeah. it yet, but I am very much looking forward to it. But I mean, that's still just one dick. Right. I mean, it's a blue dick. So there's the weird thing. But we yeah. attach no sexual. There's nothing around that. Right. Like, he why gets isn't that to a just thing? be like this meditative genius character who like sits on another planet? I read the, the book yeah, a, yeah. a while ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one's ever like, oh yeah, Watchmen, big blue dick. They like, oh, on me. <laughs> yeah, like he's gonna do. Like he's gonna be bad. He's gonna be inherently evil because he's got the blue dick. Mm-hmm. So um, as opposed to apathetic, which is more his character arc, I think. Yeah. Of just yeah. letting stuff play out. I don't think I've ever seen like a three dicked guy, a two dicked guy, you know. Yeah, it's just not a thing. What about yeah. a male character with three assholes? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I mean, they exist in a figurative sense, I suppose, if not in a literal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when we say normal in the show relating to body parts, we mean like not sci fi stuff. Everybody's yes. fine. Yes. Uh, that sort of relates to Game of Thrones, which is coming up a lot in a lot of the things we have here where. Most everybody has the quote-unquote normal number of body parts, but even there we see a lot of breasts all the time, and the dicks are, uh, you know, tucked away mostly. They're not, yes. they're not in frame. And quite shocking violence happening to mm-hmm. the female naked bodies that we see, especially in the early first couple of series. Yeah, yeah. There's another another entry we've got here, and I'm getting this one from Five Weird Ways You Didn't Realize TV is Sexist by Diara Carr and Nathan Murphy, where even in this modern enlightened age, the depiction of, of female sexuality is often tied to violence on TV. When men are having sex at a show, either hooray or they've messed it up in a funny way. You know, that's basically it. But there was a study by the Parents Television Council. And so granted, they they mostly see all things as being evil on TV. But even still, they did a study that uh, looked at 238 episodes of TV and found that a third of those episodes featured women being sexually exploited. So some kind of violence or coercion or something else. Game of Thrones is like wow. leading the way. <laughs> but it's weirdly not thought about, I think, for being so common. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it happens in, I mean, outside of the sci-fi realms, shows like The Deuce, which I think is a great show. But also at the same time, you're kind of like, oh, are you perpetuating this or are we showing real historical, you know, because yeah. um, there's some horrific stuff that happens, like kind of, you know, with that series being about the move of uh, sex workers off of the streets and into then kind of like the porn industry and the exploitation of some of the the women in that. And it's kind of uncomfortable, but you go, oh, this happened. But also at the same time, I don't know whether it's a good or a bad thing. Right. There's an expectation that like, if a show is going to like treat things well and like show like how it affects the woman and like that, this is a real issue. Like it's okay to show it. But like at the same time, we've just sort of become complacent as viewers to just expecting like, oh, yeah, this is a rape scene. Like The Sopranos is a rape scene. Like every show almost, it's just like, it bombards you almost. I think, yeah. And I think you can have that if you showed an equal amount, I guess the ideal scenario is an equal amount from the other side of showing women really enjoying their experiences and having autonomy over their bodies. That's interesting, and, yeah. 
you know, then it, once you start to even that out a bit, then you you can show that historical side of things, but by also kind of playing this other. Well, yeah, especially with what we're used to and what's normal. We'll have a footnote. About 20 years ago, there was NYPD Blue, the cop show in the US. They, they did an episode where you could see a lady's butt. Uh, you know, with no clothes on it. And people were like, we can't believe it. Like, how is ABC going to get away with this? Uh, will there be fines, you know? And then in, in about two decades later, we've got, you know, assault advances the plot. That's just a thing we do, which is crazy. Like, what a leap. We are in sort of peak murdery TV time as well, I suppose, mm-hmm. in terms of that kind of content. It's interesting when, when I saw the Ted Bundy, I mean, this might be completely off on an aside from that. But when I saw yeah. the Ted Bundy documentary, I am... Um, I saw them put up all of these pictures on Netflix of the women. They were like 16 or into 23. I can't remember the exact total. But they sort of flashed up and they were like fodder. (laughs) And then the fascination is around this interesting, intriguing character. But nothing around these women who I'd love to see a documentary about what they could have done with their lives, talking (laughs) to their families. What could these women have achieved? And instead, they're just kind of like, they're just fodder. Yeah, they're they're just just evidence of everything that makes this guy have a mystique and like. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which is insane. Like what? I'm sure there's a quote and I cannot remember who it was. I want to say it's someone like Hemingway, but it might not be about like how every victim we just see is the same and every serial killer mm-hmm. is some kind of unique, fascinating case to be explored and studied. Yeah. Isn't the thing with serial killers that they have like one MO, you know, they always do the murder the same way. They're they're just repeating themselves after yeah. the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no creativity there. Get some new get some new tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh God, actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Please don't. Please, yeah. please don't. <laughs> Only some of the tropes we have here on this episode are, are violent and dark, uh, but it is, but it is, uh, I think, worth looking at. Tiff, you also picked this one out of that idea of the disposable woman in the plot who who advances the man as a, a story element, and fridging is is a big term for it. Fridging, which I hadn't heard of before this, but I but oh, I was yeah. aware of the trope of like for a man's kind of hero journey in a story because someone's done something horrific to a female relative or a girlfriend, you know, and it drives them forward. You know, even like, is it Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man? You know, that's a big turning point for Mm -hmm. Spider-Man when Gwen Stacy dies. But I think the trope originally comes from, it might be, is it Green Lantern? Yeah, it's a, and I learned from this article, five stupid movie tropes you always see about women. It was Green Lantern issue 54. So if right. people want to find this terrible comic. <laughs> yes, and there's um they end up he comes back in to find his girlfriend is bundled up in the refrigerator like leftovers. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, by a murderer. Yeah. By a murderer. Yes. That's um, thoughtful of the murderer, you know. You don't want to leave the the dead girl just out. She's going to get spoiled. Yeah. You want to go full Jeffrey Dahmer. Leave them in the fridge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Move the tater tots, move the vegetables. Anyway. Yeah. So it's female characters have a habit of winding up dead, kidnapped, depowered, tortured, dead again and or sexually assaulted all for no other reason than to provide an excuse for their male love interests or friends to go punch someone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is the motivator. Which is a pretty lazy, it's almost like the serial killer thing where they only have one move. Like writers mm-hmm. need to think of more motivations for male characters than yeah. a, a lady character's it just death. Feels like we don't even need to know anything about their relationship or like who this woman was. It's just kind of like a carte blanche to be like, he killed my wife and child or whatever. And then the hero can be like as angry as he needs to be. <laughs> yeah. And it's every, you only a woman s- is innocent and you know, yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> the ultimate crime. And only ever to be viewed in flashback. Yes. <laughs> right. In the like my dead wife kind of, she's just like smiling up at him. <laughs> of course that's Before all of the, she died. the punisher as well. And oh, I mean, yeah. that's, that's a particularly brutal example. I mean, that's his family as well. But the, the Punisher, even in the TV series, which I thought was good, but it was kind of relentless flashbacks to this. And of course, when you see flashbacks, you only ever see the loving moments. Right. Yeah. You don't see. Right. I want some flashbacks of like getting in a fight over like you never rinse the dishes off before you put them in the <laughs> yeah. dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. Or, with someone being a bitch. Yeah. Just true. Like shouting at him for like not cleaning the toilet seat mm-hmm. after. And he's like, actually, do I want to go on this j- revenge journey? Yeah. It's like <laughs> she was brutally murdered. 
murdered, but like at least now I can pee with the seat down. Yeah. So <laughs> some parts of my life are better. I would even take some neutral flashbacks. Like, sure. oh, remember when we watched The Good Dinosaur and it was okay? Yeah. yeah. That was Yeah, us. it was like we were both a little disappointed and uh, then you kind of wanted to have sex before we went to bed and I wasn't into it. So we just sort of uh, read our books in the bed for a while <laughs> and then we went to sleep. <laughs> now I have motivation. <laughs> Because also, uh, uh, along with that uh, brutal bridging trope, then there's also another weird trope where, you know, we, sometimes we get a female main character. Amazing. And then from there, a lot of times there's a, a movie or show where the female main character goes on an adventure because their children died. And there are instances of that happening in life with people, but it's weirdly, weirdly very common in movies and shows kind of all the time. Because it means that a woman has to have no other life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. outside of her family in order to be able to to go on this journey. Because yeah. we, we see it with the movie Gravity, where Sandra Bullock goes into space because her children died. The movie Cloverfield Paradox, where Gugu Mbatha-Ra goes into space because her children died. There's it's a, really the only place you have left to turn. Yeah. <laughs> as a woman, when you failed as a mother, you must be sent into space right. to repent. Off Men the can do it because they want to be astronauts, but for women, it's because you're bad mommy. Yeah, because <laughs> there's also I didn't know this, but uh, this article picks out that there's a deleted scene in Aliens where Ripley's children die. So she leaves the planet because she, oh, no. she lost her kids. And I'm glad they took that out. And then uh, in the movie Arrival, we eventually learn that she's dealing with aliens mm-hmm. because of the death of a child. Like it's all somehow we're just doing that trope every year. And you would think people would uh, start to notice, but it just washes over us. Yeah. Are there any men going to space because their kids have died? No, they go to space so their kids don't die, like Armageddon. Yeah, Interstellar. That's yeah. a thing. Well, in Gravity, yeah. does George Clooney's character have a like a dead child or like some tragic past? I think he's mostly a ghost, or we don't find out. We will. I will. Right. We will double check this and link it. Uh, <laughs> but it's not really focused on. Yeah, I can only ever remember the only thing I can ever remember about Gravity is that brilliant. Tina Fey line at the Golden Globes where she says gravity a film where George Clooney would rather float off into space and die than spend one more minute with a woman his own age yeah. <laughs> so good. I, was, I still remember that as just being one of the funniest jokes of the yeah. <laughs> I do feel like we have just talked about the trope where like if a man's family dies then he has to go like fight for revenge and if a woman's family dies she has to go into space which like are almost analogous but like for the man it's it's presented as like a I have no choice I must like seek revenge and right this wrong and then I can get back to my normal life and for the woman it's much more like I can have no normal life like there is nothing for me I will just go into space and probably die there yeah (laughs) it's not like Sandra Bullock's like I gotta go into space and do this mission to avenge my child's death and then I can get back to my successful life like right it's it's much more coming out of like desperation and and that she cannot be an independent human the way like Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception or whatever like is doing all this stuff so that he can get his kids back and then like go on with his life Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a that's completely different thing. Talking about that, right? Yeah, we just had a conversation within a conversation within a conversation. <laughs> that's what just, we just inceptioned this podcast. <laughs> this thing of the, the lady needing to go to space because of it, like like you guys said, it, it seems like it's drawing on the premise that women can only be mothers. So like mm-hmm. once you failed at that, you can't, and failed is even a really judgy way to put it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Once yeah, that hasn't worked dies, out. Yeah, when your kid dies, it's not that you failed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tragic thing. <laughs> it's also funny that, like, as a fallback career, you have to be an astronaut, which is something that people trained for, like, decades to be able to do. Mom first, astronaut second. We all know what's more rewarding. <laughs> There's a, another trope here, and this is a sci-fi thing, but it's another, almost an anti-motivation for women. And Hallie, you picked this one out. It's the trope of... Born Sexy Yesterday, oh, yeah. uh, which is uh, especially common in sci-fi uh, with sort of magical women. Yes. There's all these movies where, like, the lead character is a man and he is his love interest is this woman. Like, often, like, she's like a mermaid, like in Splash, or, like, she's from another 
time or dimension or something like in Enchanted. She's like the storybook princess. And then there's yeah. like a bunch of like like uh, Ex Machina um, and her. Like they're both like kind of like AIs or robots and they like gradually get smarter. But for most of the movie, all of these female characters are just like dumb as a brick. <laughs> and the man is like really smart. So of course they're equals because the dumbest woman is equal to the smartest man. Um, and yeah, it, it really just feels like they exist to make the man look good kind of and yeah. to be like a woman who's like so stupid that she just like needs this big strong man to show her what's going on <laughs> I don't it's, understand the Madden world <laughs> I'm so beautiful but I'm so stupid <laughs> yeah like a, a baby's mind and an adult mm-hmm. woman's body yes. and then the guy who is is smart on the level of just having been alive and knowing yeah. that the world is a thing and it's not just an adult yeah. woman's body it's like a hypersexual like incredibly beautiful adult woman's body but like she's too dumb to know that she's so hot yeah <laughs> I don't even know that I'm beautiful yeah. oh these three breasts are they desirable to you <laughs> I don't in my planet uh, they're just there for milk <laughs> <laughs> so the man then gets that like extra like pim from the office thing of being like I'm the only one who recognizes that she's beautiful and amazing <laughs> yeah it's especially there's the movie The Fifth Element where Mila Jovovich is just like in in like there's also all these sci-fi movies where ladies are wearing straps like all these strap clothing they seem very difficult and bandaged bandaged kind of yeah 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 it helps (laughs) keep them down (laughs) prison wear you got a lot of things you can just hook them grab onto them (laughs) keep them from running away (laughs) uh it's um it's the ultimate male fantasy isn't it it's like it's the perfect woman without the again the annoying realities of being a complex layered human being oh this is great I don't have to deal with all that bitchy annoying stuff where she asks questions right or or has um, a background yeah or or has other people that I think that part of that attraction as well is other people yes, not related to no the woman. She has no friends or family. She has no oh, friends yeah. or family, so you have no one else to deal with. You've just got mm-hmm. this hot, sexy baby woman. It's like sexy having, baby woman. Yeah, like a sex doll, <laughs> but like that can talk back to you at like a basic third grade level. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what they don't want is for her to become sentient. You know, like right. that's the... Because then she'll realize that she's too yeah. good for you and probably kill you. Like uh, Ex Machina and her, which also, by the way, her, I know she doesn't have like a real body, but like Scarlett Johansson's voice is sexy enough that it's like, we know she's sexy. Yeah. Well, and with that movie, I think they, Scarlett was like a fill-in voice. They taped it with another yeah. less famously attractive actor first. And then really? they were like, no, we're swapping in Scarlett's not working. Doesn't uh, work. The voice isn't hot <laughs> enough. We need breathier. We need throatier. Yeah. <laughs> And there's also a, there's a YouTube channel called Pop Culture Detective that picks out a lot of examples of it. And another one they pick out is Quora in Tron Legacy, where I like, Tiff, that you picked out uh, sentience as a thing we don't want, because that's like <laughs> literally the thing that's going to happen in Tron Legacy is like she will <laughs> she will gain full intelligence after truly never meeting a human. She's a computer program that walks around. <laughs> is it sexy when I annihilate you and all of your family? <laughs> so sexy. It really does show- show how threatened men are by female intelligence when like it's the scariest possible outcome is that like the dumb sexy woman will become smart and then like the man will be doomed it's like yeah that's that's what will happen when the patriarchy dies yeah like ex machina especially mm-hmm. like there's a lot of murder yeah i'm trying to think again if there's a reversal of that apart from like oh, we called it california man in the uk but i think it was called encino man here was it you called no, it California one. Man? Yeah, it was called oh, Cal- that's it's awesome. really funny. Because <laughs> no one knew where Encino was. <laughs> no, no one, like, Encino doesn't mean anything yeah. to people in the UK. Yeah, so um, I'm trying to think of that Brendan... California Man. <laughs> <laughs> he just sums up all of California, right? He is Brendan Fraser's California Man. <laughs> I see only example, I guess, I can think, where you've got a kind of Neanderthal, oh. kind of, like, hot guy who doesn't really... Well, and uh, also Blast from the Past starring Brendan Fraser, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much a lot of Brendan Fraser movies he plays, like oh, George, George from, from the, the Jungle. jungle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now yeah. we're really yeah. getting to wheelhouse. see his niche. But, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> there was an article not too long ago during, like, you know, the height of uh, Me Too. We're still at the height of Me Too, but, like, recently <laughs> there was an article about Brendan Fraser uh, talking about how he had, that reference that he had kind of felt abused by Hollywood or, like, he had been, oh. like, assaulted by a studio executive. Or so, there was something like that. Oh, yeah, oh he was, like, like Interesting. Oh. Oh, okay. He's in these roles that we've identified as a female trope, and he also had that experience. 
there's a great podcast called Pop Rocket uh, that's demise, RIP, but they, uh, I heard, learned the term himbo from them, which is a male bimbo. It's great. Right. Really yes, good. Yes. Uh, and Brendan Fraser, the rare himbo and the overall. I feel like uh, Channing Tatum has also stuff. played some great himbos. Yeah, well. Chang Tatum can do it. Uh, they were describing Henry Golding that way uh, when they used it. He's a, he's a bit of a himbo. Sure. Yeah. I always used to think sort of Channing Tatum reminded me of, of a bath, like hot, <laughs> but like after a while I'd just fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, ideal uh, man. <laughs> but, uh, but then actually, then I saw a few things with him and he seems to have a very good sense of humor annoyingly, so I can't kind of write him off to that degree yeah <laughs> um but he's certainly he's certainly kind of made the most out of that i suppose hasn't he and then been able to give it and i wonder if this is the same for women being able to do this but in magic mike that kind of film had another depth to it so it was that kind of idea that he was this like hot buff guy but also it was kind of about aging and male loneliness and stuff as well but i wonder again how often we women get to actually subvert that role yeah yeah that's true like maybe as soon as channing tatum was kind of famous enough we were like well we got to do something smart with him like now you know? yeah <laughs> but ladies i don't know if they get that chance all the time yeah i also i'm replacing himbo with like a bath that's the greatest uh, very exciting <laughs> yes and uh, heavage which is male cleavage which we're seeing a lot more of now is that oh like also a deep v pectoral? shirt yeah okay. yeah it's like yeah the deep v's like a yeah. lot of like you know Guys coming out, showing off the, you know, oh, perhaps being objectified. A, a Tom Selleck hair coming out kind of thing, you know? Well, hair just seems to be out. out. I, I, like oh, a bit yeah. of, I like a bit of hair. I'm going to say it. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it, guys. You weren't expecting this, but I don't mind. I don't mind a bit of her suited and booted. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, but it's, it's, there seems to be a lot of waxing and spray tanning and plucking. And I think men are now having like similar maintenance levels than women are, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, interesting are, change. It at least feels like there is an avenue for men where they can have this like manicured, plucked existence. But they also are still allowed to be like hairy and gross. And that's like also sexy in another way. Whereas for women, it's like, no, you have to be. Yeah, it's this one, one thing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's another thing we could hit here, and I think Tiff, you picked this one out. There's just an extremely broad, extremely hard to spot trope of there just not being a lot of female characters in things, <laughs> which yes. which impacts everything. In particular, movies. As we look at the top U.S. movies, they just sort of avoid having women in them as much as men, and they don't speak as much <laughs> as well. There's been this kind of research. I think it's the Gina Davis Institute that did a huge amount of research on this, that how much in like the top grossing films, how much screen time women had, how much women spoke. And then when you saw like kind of the graphs comparatively, it was quite devastating. <laughs> and also with, if they pass the Bechdel test. Bechdel test. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and that's very, very simple, right? It's so unbelievably simple that when you know what the Bechdel test is, you can't believe how many films haven't passed it. It's just two women must yeah. have a conversation, two named female characters must have a conversation about something that is nothing to do with love or a man or relationships. So it can be as simple as like, oh, hi, Wendy. Hey, Jane, how are you? I'm okay. Work was a bit boring today. And then you pass the Bechdel test. You've <laughs> like, literally ding, ding, ding. Balloons yeah, come down. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so many films, it just the so only, many don't. The yeah. only conversations women are having are about men in the film, right? And um, because women don't exist outside of their relationship to men, yeah. And that's sort of terrifying, isn't it? Really. And shout out to friends of the show, The Bechdel Cast. They uh, podcast about this in films all the time, and it's great. Uh, and also, like you say, surprisingly hard to find. There's a, another study we've got here from USC where they, since 2007, have been analyzing the top 100 movies at the U.S. box office every year. And they found that in 2018, only 39 out of the top 100 movies had a female leading character or co-leading character. And only 33% of all the roles in those movies went to women at all. So only a third of the characters in general. Uh, there's more than just two genders, but still, you would think one of the famous genders of the two would be like more represented. <laughs> Famously, <Yeah. laughs> men and women have been um, the genders. So I've got some more stats here, actually. We did a show on this at the Edinburgh Fringe a few years ago, 2016. Myself and a friend of mine who, who runs an account called Casting Call Woe. And we did a live <laughs> show where we sort of talked about these stats. 61 percent of women had an identifiable occupation compared to 78 percent of men 
the writer didn't bother to give them a job. The yes, thing basically yeah. all of us have. Yeah. And I think there's a stat, I don't have the exact stat here, but there's a research place in Germany that has the stats on this of how many women on screen are doctors. So it's something like criminally low, like 18, 19% compared to actual real life where oh. it's actually in favour of women. Yeah. So it's something like uh, 56% of doctors are women. So the, the swing in that. Also, the majority of female characters are obviously in their 20s and 30s. Majority of male characters are in their 30s and 40s. So you already just sort of see a drop off there. And only 9% of female characters are in their 50s compared to 17% of male characters. What what was that last number again? 9% of female characters in the top grossing films are in their 50s compared to 17% of male characters. I can give give a funny example. Like I think, you know, as an actress and stand-up comedian, obviously I'm out here, I'm looking at the stuff that comes in, I'm looking at jobs. And I notice that in Hollywood, women are running around. We're doing everything we can to make ourselves look as young as possible. Women are having surgeries, injections and everything. Whereas men just have to wait for Scorsese to cast them and he'll make them look younger. That's what's happening in The Irishman. So, yeah. um, Or in Marvel movies too, Samuel L. Jackson and Captain Marvel, you know. Yeah, yeah. those aren't cinema. (laughs) Oh yeah, and of course Captain America as well because you see him go back to like signing up for the army and stuff. So they just do that with... With de-aging technology. So. Right, they're, they're turning the most powerful technology in Hollywood to that problem. And yeah. then the other one, ah, forget it, who cares? Yeah, it, it feels like there's this attitude that like once a man turns 18, he's just like man-aged until he dies. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but for a woman, it's like, ah, uh, 20, what? The thing that you read to us earlier before we started recording was like 25 to 35, past her prime. Oh, yes, yeah. Some of the actual yeah, breakdowns. Yeah. yeah, so these are some of the breakdowns that we use in the show. So these are real casting breakdowns in the UK. Yeah, um, and for people who don't know, that's like what, what they use to solicit audition actors notices. to come audition. Yes, yeah. yeah. So here's a couple of examples. She masturbates with tears in her eyes. Mm. No nudity, oh, but good facial expressions needed. Oh, good facial expressions for an actor, you say? <laughs> you know how we all cry when we masturbate? You know yeah, how we I mean, all cry? I can't do it otherwise. <laughs> um, she's it's because I'm sad that I'm a woman and I'm crying because I don't have a penis. That is, that is really funny that they're like, only the actors who have facial expressions. That's... <laughs> Must be able to emote. <laughs> uh, she's past her prime, age 23 to 30. 23 is past your prime? She must be enough of a visual aesthetic to believably be the prey of a stalker. Oh my God. Whoa. There's so much in that. There's whoa, so much. Whoa, whoa. There's so much so, misunderstanding so of, much how. of what stalking is. And like, yeah. it's. Have you ever. <laughs> imagine a stalker just being like, hmm, like on my street corner, just trying to pick out my next target. Her? She's like 24. I'm gonna no next. Like that. Yeah. Oh, she's a little bookish. Like she's not really enough of a visual aesthetic for me to do my crimes on. If you're a director or executive who's like that lady, not stalkable. You are yeah. really telling on yourself. You are really. Oh my god. Yeah. As if like what well, it's like that. I wouldn't even rape her. Which is yeah. a line that you hear relentlessly. As if it isn't about power. As right. if that isn't what. You know, that crime yeah. is about. Oh, here we yeah, go. Awful. Um, great if you're an actress who's fed up because you're not thin enough for lead roles. Well, that's just them trying to Wait, help what? out. That's so nice. <laughs> oh, it's great for me. <laughs> she loves being a woman, so probably wears a push-up bra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, and this one is amazing. The director hopes to highlight George's distance from Jane by never having her in focus. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I'm finally in a movie. I'm blurry in every scene, but it's for artistic reasons. <laughs> of course, it's it's about the man's experience of me. <laughs> These are incredible. Yeah. That's, that's how they film like evil spirits in horror movies. That's <laughs> Lurching at the corner of the frame. Yeah. <laughs> Even if that's how you think of woman, women as an, a director or producer or whatever, like, don't they recognize that a lot of people paying to go see their movie will be female identified and like maybe not want to view women as objects, even if all the men seeing the movie do? <laughs> right. It's just, like it's just bad money making. Hey, like the blurriness is like de-aging. Maybe that's our version of this Scorsese technology. <laughs> Just hard Just to see. Just out of focus with some Vaseline on the lens. She yeah. looks so young. It's, instead of the makeup on your face, we just put it on the camera, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Many thanks to our friends at Squarespace for their support of this show, The Cracked Podcast. And the fun thing about Squarespace as a supporter of the show is they also want to be a supporter of you. Yes, they want to move into the you market because they want to put you online with the exact perfect website that represents what you want on there. Maybe you're looking to start a new business. Maybe you want to show off your photography or writing or visual art or other things people do. Sculpting? I don't know the fancy things, but you probably do, you sculptor you. Squarespace can also help you publish content, sell products and services. They also have beautiful templates created by world-class designers, and then you have the ability to customize just about anything with a few clicks. You can easily make that beautiful website the exact thing for you. Also, a Squarespace site is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You might be listening to this podcast on a mobile device. Have you ever noticed that some websites look great in a mobile setting and other websites look crazy? Like they're really hard to look at and read and operate? Squarespace websites are in the first group I described, the group where websites look great, work great, are perfect in a mobile experience because they are built from the ground up to do that. The more I talk about them, the more I want you to go look at them and see what they can do. So head to squarespace.com slash cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash cracked offer code cracked. Sort of along with that, just inability to put ladies in things at all. Helia picked out a myth here, and this particularly pops up in two mediums, but it is a myth that women are hard to draw. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. sounds crazy, right? Because you can draw fully anything, but apparently (laughs) apparently some people think that. Yeah, I think this this came from uh, one of the animators of Frozen said in like 2013 that uh, it was like really difficult for them to do this movie that had both Anna and Elsa in it because like (laughs) it's it's so hard to draw two women characters and have people be able to tell them apart and one of the reasons he said was because, you know, you have to be able to do a range of facial expressions and everything, but they still have to always look pretty. Yeah. You know, (laughs) God forbid, like one of them is having an emotion in the scene and they like aren't a gorgeous gorgeous object for two seconds, which I guess is not something they think about when they're drawing male (laughs) characters. But with women, they have to always be pretty and they also have to do things with their face that look different from the other women. It's like this is your whole job, dude. With it being animated Disney, I guess they don't think about it with men or with like animals or (laughs) like. How are the women humans harder to draw than like the talking snowman in the movie or like the reindeer? Yeah. (laughs) Can you ever really draw intelligence, though? Or emotion. Can you ever, ever truly capture? Um, (laughs) Women are just too subtle. I'm not bad. I was just drawn that way. Was that Jessica Rabbit? Yeah. Yes, that is. That one's sort of smart, I guess. Yeah, they managed to um yeah, they managed to give a full range of emotion. I I don't understand. Like are they saying that there's certain emotions that aren't pretty, so therefore he doesn't want to put those emotions on the character of Elsa, like anger. Oh, it's not pretty. And she'll get this frown line, this annoying so. thing that like when a human face moves to <laughs> yeah. show displeasure. <laughs> Well, because they're already drawing them with, like, impossible eye size and right. stuff. And, and there's some of that with male characters, too, but more with women. And the quote here from Lino DeSalvo describes it as being very hard to have a scene where Anna and Elsa are, quote, both in the scene and look very different if they're echoing the same expression, that Elsa looking angry looks different from Anna being angry. Okay. Well, they are sisters, so, like, it's okay if they look kind of alike. Oh, also, right. one of them has blonde hair and one of them has brown hair, so that's a tip-off. <laughs> and they're in wildly different outfits. <laughs> And uh, one, one of them is shooting ice out of their hands and yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, then, I don't know, you should have made those two characters not look identical. Like, why does every woman have to have the exact same tiny hourglass body in a Disney movie? But like, you know, at least with the men, it's yeah. like you could be like, you know, a, a strapping big hero or like kind of a fat guy sidekick. But with women, it's just like, no, they're all the tiny little one. I remember being a, a young boy and seeing Disney's Sword in the Stone and thinking, feeling very represented by like shrimpy skinny uh, young characters. <laughs> I was like, yeah, cool. Because like boy characters, they do all these bodies and everything. It's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah, it was good. Uh, <laughs> cool. And yeah, there's a new Frozen coming out November 22nd. Didn't stop them. And then the other instance of women uh, supposedly being hard to draw is in gaming. We've got a story with Assassin's Creed here. 
They uh, were making Assassin's Creed Unity in 2014, and the developers said that unlike some of the other games, they could not provide a female protagonist option. Just couldn't be done. And they said it would, quote, double the work to do a female protagonist along with a male protagonist. That's the extra breast yeah. Yeah. I'm planning on drawing. <laughs> well, it's because it takes one hour to draw a character and then it takes an additional hour to shade in the detail on the boobs. Yeah. So, <laughs> if they're so concerned that having a male and female character would double their work, then just have the female one. How about that? I just, I mean, I just don't believe that that argument that it would double their time. Because it's just, they're drawing characters in there that are probably non non-player characters that are female so like they they, yes. they clearly know how to do it the game does include street prostitutes okay uh, oh, so yeah there we go <laughs> so they did that uh there are other games like mass effect that let you be a male or female character easily they interviewed jonathan cooper who was the animation director for assassin's creed 3 which came before this one and he said that it would take a day or two's work to add a female character. And he said, quote, I think what you want to do is just replace a handful of animations, key animations. We target all the male animations onto the female character and just give her your own unique walks, runs, anything that can give character. That's right. all you have to do. That so it's a day or two. Easy. It's a day or two. Yeah. Out of a development process, which is presumably years. 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 Yeah. And just massive teams of people working around the clock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that extra day and a half yeah, is, that's gonna you know, you could, you could be playing golf. I don't know. Yeah. You could be doing other things. You could be playing the game. That's Why waste your time? <laughs> you could be killing prostitutes yeah. in the game or in life. Yeah. I don't want to say I'm glad these sexist things are in pop culture, but it's also like a canary in the coal mine of what's going on in people's it's, heads. It's you know, tells you, find you how society views women. It's a real, you know, when yeah. Me Too happened, not to get too deep about this, but there was this real moment of kind of going, why does this matter in terms of it being Hollywood actresses? Mm-hmm. Because what we see in entertainment, what presents itself as culture is a reflection of how the world sees women. And it's quite damning. (laughs) And it makes you think, oh, we're changing, but not quickly enough. You know, it's too glacial. It's Yeah, it takes a a lot of change somehow. This stuff that we're talking about on this list is like a lot of it is happening now. It's not just like cheesy sci-fi movies from the 80s. Like these stats about like there being so many fewer female characters, like now, 2019. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, they say um, a river changes the shape of the landscape from constant pressure over time. Mm-hmm. So I'm oh. just hoping <laughs> that we, the constant pressure over time, maybe we just need to apply a bit more pressure. <laughs> bit more pressure. 2019, <laughs> bit more pressure. 2020, the year of hindsight. The year of more pressure. So when you yeah. say hindsight, does that mean characters with three butt cheeks? Yes! <laughs> Just checking. Three boobs, three butt cheeks. Go, 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 go. Yes. Only if they're evil. Come tri- on. Tri- uh, triple dick villains. <laughs> and with the pressure thing, like Assassin's Creed games since this uh, fracas with Unity, like the, the most recent one, Odyssey, you can be male or female. Like, I feel like a lot of times when this sexism or these issues get picked out, people are like, ah, just the Twitter mob being furious, et cetera. But like, no, it's like the change happening. Like Assassin's Creed fixed itself after everybody yelled at him. It was good. Yeah. We're making a difference. Yeah. (laughs) Other things with just the female body existing in pop culture. There's a few myths here. This is from Five Dumb Myths About Women's Bodies We Learned From Movies by Andrea Romano. And uh, Haley, you picked this one out about a lady's water breaking when they are pregnant. This has always bothered me in every movie and TV show where a lady's pregnant, which is like a lot of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's always a scene where they're like, oh, baby's not coming for a while. They're like walking around. And then it's just like, sploosh. (laughs) She's like, oh, my water just broke. And everyone's like, rush to the hospital. The baby's coming now. It's going to slide right out. Like, be careful. And I've never (laughs) been pregnant or witnessed a birth, but like, I was like, I don't think this is how it actually happens. And I looked it up and like something like 15% of women feel their water breaking pre-labor. Like it usually happens during the labor process when you're already in the hospital. And also it's not like a fucking waterfall whoosh. (laughs) Like the baby's coming out on a luge. Yeah. (laughs) You're like at Six Flags just doing the long sleeve out of you. (laughs) It's like, you know, a small amount of like wetness or discharge. So like if we just look at all of medicine and science around female bodies, you know, I'm thinking of comedies where it sort of happens and it doesn't have to be necessarily as realistic, but just like everything Everything they show this, don't they? I do feel like if men got pregnant, then this like water breaking 
punchline would not exist. It would be like a harrowing thing that happens to you. (laughs) Like there would be like action movies about like getting through labor. (laughs) Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Your water would break and cool music comes on and you squint and Jason Statham's like, like it's like immediately. (laughs) Uh, We've got other stuff here about the female body. Uh, Tiffy picked out this uh, myth that women orgasm after very brief thrusting. Uh, yes. That the, the sex scene can be literally five seconds, and that's about it. In this, I can wonder if women are partly to blame for faking it, because there will be a lot of men out there that think that's all they have to do. <laughs> there was a discussion in the 60s that the female orgasm itself was a myth. Like, is the female orgasm a myth? And vaginal orgasm, I think, is probably what they should have talked about. Is it possible? Like, vaginal orgasm in and by itself just being a myth, that that all it takes is penetration for a woman to Mm -hmm. get off, which we know is not true. Or at least it's rare. But you're not showing the prep that's gone in before. Yes. I don't even know, I, you know, you're not showing the work that's happened the before. Prep. The prep. <laughs> you know, the coursework before the exam. <laughs> you have to lay the, the groundwork. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, so that moment where like, you know, it could be that there's been like rubbing or touching or <laughs> yeah. hands, ma- you know, these are the things that women need to, it can't just be from penetration. And we know for guys it can be, so therefore you know, well, then it must be the same for women. But I do wonder if, like, partly by, like, kind of allowing guys... Because, you know, for years I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I definitely faked it when I was younger. Sorry to all the men that I loved listening. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but I think that that itself is part of a vicious cycle that that includes these movies. Because when I was younger and I would watch, like, the scene where it's like, they kiss for a second, and then it's like, boom, 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 (laughs) thrusting. And then, like, they both seem pretty happy. So I think I probably was just like, well, that is what sex is, and I should show that I am enjoying it because I like this part, you know? Before you really, like, feel free to, like, learn what works for your body and stuff. So I feel like... The fact that it's portrayed this way in movies leads women to fake it, and then that leads back into this like mythos, self-perpetuating. Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah, it's all a loop. Yeah, yeah, as opposed <laughs> to just gently circling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and also within those films that like orgasms are kind of this loud, or when a woman is mm-hmm. enjoying sex, and that that would happen instantly, like as soon as as soon as the penis went. <laughs> like a kind of siren goes off. <laughs> that's that's what happens. That triggers some kind of it's vocal like response. Touching like an electrical fence or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, definitely. It, it seems like it's almost a narrative expediency thing. Like mm-hmm. this can't take very long and it needs to be obvious what it is. So we'll all just always just show it one way and that's it. And that's all yeah. you get. Uh, and then it messes with everyone's heads in the entire world. <laughs> it's really <laughs> freaky. Yeah. Yeah. We could do with a few more of it going in the guy orgasming and a woman going into the bathroom. I think there was yeah. a scene in something. I think there's a scene in a movie where that definitely happens and you could just hear a vibrator go. <laughs> and he's like, what's happening? Yeah, I'm just finishing myself off, you know. <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, the article picks out, there are various studies, but one of them says about 75% of women cannot orgasm from thrusting alone. Mm-hmm. But if you try to show that in a movie, it's very surprising to people. And also the ratings board will give you a much harsher rating for showing anything besides uh, thrusting on a lady. That's that it. Is nuts. Yeah, like most most times a movie skirts an NC seventeen. It's for something like that. Vi- never for violence. Is that Anything because goes. with thrusting, yeah. there's like plausible deniability? Like you could be like, oh, they're just uh, dry humping, you know? Like because oh. you, you're not seeing anything go into anything, so that they're allowed to be like, they're just making out aggressively. Yeah, maybe maybe there's also because there's little no bit... reason for like why thrusting is like more okay to show than like right I don't know, oral it's... sex or something. Evan Rachel Wood had a scene cut from a recent film of hers and it was all the shots that were of oral sex being performed on a woman. <laughs> that so stuff can go. Yeah. That's a deleted scene. That doesn't happen. Guys, we're dealing with reality here. Please. She's got three breasts. We will show those, but we will. <laughs> I know it probably wasn't a superhero movie, but I hope it was. Like, we're being realistic. He can fly. He shoots beams out of his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but how often we see oral sex being performed on men, that's that happens oh, yeah. relentlessly, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. With funny sound effects sometimes. Yeah, it's great. 
Uh, <laughs> well, also a thing here, it's a non-sexual thing, but it's another thing where maybe there's sort of a feedback loop of pop culture impacting real life. We've got a thing where, especially in sci-fi and fantasy, you will see like a male and female couple or pair or team, and they will usually make the man the person who does math, physics, engineering mm-hmm. type work, and then the woman someone who does a less mathy thing. And that's right. just kind of, it's real specific, but it comes up in a lot of movies. So. <laughs> So the feedback, the feedback loop for this, as we're talking about self-fulfilling prophecy, I don't know if you saw at the end of last year, there was a man called Alessandro Strumia working at CERN. No. Who did a big talk about lady brains don't understand physics as well as male brains. Mm. And this guy's at CERN, like the big well, accelerator think, in Europe I, there? Yeah, I think he was at CERN. Uh, and I think, but now oh, no it's longer. like, now yeah. it's like cancel culture. Ah. But also <laughs> like. It's, How dare he tell some of his coworkers they're dumb. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and get fired. Yeah. <laughs> so he was kind of saying science isn't by invitation. So you can't actively don't try and do any tokenism by bringing in people who aren't adept at it already you know so that this kind of feedback loop is is again like we're talking about what we see in films whether it's affecting the jobs that women apply for you know if you can see it you can be it type thing so maybe women are going into those areas of science because they're seeing it on screen in terms of the on-screen examples there's stuff like in deep space nine the o'briens are a couple and uh, miles o'brien is an engineer and then his wife is a botanist because that's like mom science you know? yeah like you're yeah. raising stuff agents of shield there's fitz and simmons are that way with engineering and biochem the edward norton hulk movie Liv tyler is a cell biologist and he's like a physicist the the harder science supposedly and then there are studies by people like psychologist Andre Simpian and philosopher Sarah Jane Leslie finding that there are fewer women in some of these fields like physics and engineering, but it's partly because anytime a job is considered by people to require brilliance or quote unquote genius or some sort of innate smartness that is just from birth, fewer women and people of color go into it. So then we have a feedback loop of, oh, only someone super smart and our idea of that as a man can do it. Right. Partly because of this pop culture. It's crazy. I don't know about if this is specific to STEM, but I know there have been studies about other fields where like a man and a woman of exactly the same qualifications, the man will think that they're more qualified for a job and the woman will be like, I'm not ready for it. There's a thing of like how much we feel we can blag it. So I think women a lot of the time have imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I sort of know I do. <laughs> Sorry, how, like, how much we can blag it? Blag it, like pretend, get oh, away with oh. it. Oh, what's the I word? I also did not know what that is. Scam, scam it, I guess. Oh, yeah, okay, Like fake yeah. it till you make fake it. Fake it yeah. till you make it. So oh, I, I know that, yeah. that there's studies that have shown that when, when applying for jobs, like you're mm-hmm. saying, if women fit something like you know, 90% of the criteria, right. then they might apply. Whereas men, they're like 60%. Yeah, yeah. I can do the rest. I can do that. (laughs) In the talking about this in the context of pop culture, it's like, well, no wonder if, you know, men are seeing people who look just like them, white men especially, on screen being bioengineers and mathematicians and all this stuff all the time. It's like, well, yeah, I can do that. I look like them, but women and people of color and et cetera. You don't have that kind of representation, then no wonder you're going to doubt yourself more. With a non-STEM field, have you guys seen that recent Benioff and Weiss interview? Yeah. The Game of Thrones guy. Have Have you seen it, Tiff? No, I haven't. No. They were the the main Game of Thrones TV guys. And they're two, as far as I know, white men. And they just, in the whole interview, they talk about how they did not know what they were doing and just kind of bluffed their way through it. And they they were like, yeah, we we kind of learned on the job making Game of Thrones. We and, were giant idiots. So. Yeah. And oh, it's are they great. the guys that were given the then the Star Wars yeah, movie to do? Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> and they also, they have since quit Star Wars because they are getting too much other work from Netflix. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it, it's because things are going too well. Because uh. <laughs> I th- wasn't there a woman up for that job who was like super qualified, and they were like, "No, probably." I'd believe it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another, it's it's a pop cultural thing here, very specific to this thing of how we view women and how women are seen. And this is from that Nathan Murphy Diara Carr article. Uh, it's the idea that when female characters are quote unquote strong. We as a, as viewers, as a, a large group, we're only okay with specifically the strong where they are killing people, which is uh, very masculine uh, too, as far as characters go. Uh, but any other kind of strength and especially the partners of anti-heroes, we get really, really mad at them uh, no matter what they do. Oh yeah. my God. People were so mad at Skylar from Breaking Bad for like existing <laughs> and not being a meth kingpin <laughs> and being like, hey, maybe yeah. 
don't do this horribly wild, <laughs> dangerous thing and, you know, endanger our family. Now, I only saw the first 10 minutes. He just stays a teacher, right? That's the whole show? <laughs> That's all he does? And she doesn't even appreciate him. <laughs> She's just staying at home, making babies, being annoying. <laughs> Looking after her son. Because <laughs> uh, like you say, Skylar in Breaking Bad, and we'll have linked a New York Times editorial that actor Anna Gunn wrote, mm-hmm. who plays Skylar White, uh, uh, Walt's wife on the show, to say, hey, everyone's mad at me for playing a character who asks their husband to be like less of a meth dealer. And I feel <laughs> and yet, that's too much. And yet nobody was ever mad at Walt for straight up killing people and yeah. like being evil. He wasn't doing it for good reasons. He was a villainous character and we were all like, cool. <laughs> well, he turned from being this person who was doing it out of need to yeah. a person who did it out of desire. Mm-hmm. And, right. and so we got to see that kind of complicated journey for him. But maybe people are like, well, why didn't she have that journey? And you're like, well, write it for her. I think that we've come a long way in terms of like being interested in like complicated male protagonists and antiheroes, but there are not a lot of female antiheroes and you still, a lot of the time that people get notes about like, she's not likable. I think, (laughs) well, why don't men characters have to be likable? Yeah. I think I remember saying where, where are our Walters? Because there's also sort of antihero Walter in Fringe. TV series Fringe. And then someone said Annalise from um, How to Get Away with Murder. So I started watching that show. And that's a very interesting character because you're with her and then you're not with her and you're like, oh, is she just really brilliant or is she evil? And that's Mm -hmm. kind of like a good example of a modern female character doing that journey. That's great, yeah. Because that's a Shonda Rhimes show, right? And that's probably, what, four or five shows into her career? Like, she had to build a huge rep in order to write that, probably. That's really neat that there are any female versions, because there's a lot of male ones of these (laughs) anti-heroes that uh, are somehow just fine. The the male characters on House of Cards are fine, and a lot of people criticize Zoe Barnes for having weak journalistic ethics, uh, which is crazy. Then there's a lot of criticism of Carrie Matheson in Homeland for sleeping around. (laughs) <laughs> Betty Draper in Mad Men for being too much of a victim uh, uh. is what the article says. And I feel we should care about the victim. And then also just in general, like the show girls, just everybody <laughs> in it. And also Sex in the City before it. Like the characters are just resented for being uh, kind of whoever they want to be. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's their mistake. I feel like when sexism in media gets called out, some people are very apprehensive about it. They're like, ah, what are you doing? Uh, but I, I feel it's fascinating to discover it. Like, we're all so excited about fan theories and stuff that, like, enrich a work. And I think we should be excited, too, about being able to spot this stuff or recognize it or be aware it's there. Because a lot of the time, it's just sort of wallpaper that people don't notice. Yeah, and noticing it is the first step to, like, challenging it. Yeah. Is that actually nice when sometimes... Men do step in and kind of go, I've spotted this. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel like we're constantly banging a drum. Mm-hmm. I've, I get that thing of like kind of going, oh, my God, am I always moaning about this? So then sometimes I'm like, I step back and I go, oh, someone else will just take it for a little while and do this one and the next one. But it is it is nice when um, when the calling out actually starts happening from kind of men and preferably men in positions that can actually affect some real change. Yeah. Everybody needs to feel empowered to keep calling it out Mm because ideally it's the kind of thing where I'll link it if I can find it. But I was reading something saying that one of the environmental movement's biggest struggles is that they have succeeded a lot when the environment was extremely gross and messy and like L.A. smog was the worst it had ever been. They helped fix it. And then by fixing some of it, people were like, why is everybody still talking about the environment? (laughs) And we should do that with this kind of stuff, too, in culture. Like as as it starts to get better, keep talking about it. That's how it it happens. It's just a call to action. I guess that's uh, what people should do. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, that's the episode for this week. My thanks to Hallie Cantor and Tiff Stevenson for digging into something that's woven into our pop culture, and as we said, bleeding into our culture culture really sneakily, or at least really surprisingly. Again, there's some darkness to some of those tropes. I still think life is just more interesting if you know about them, and of course life can improve if we push back on them. It's a good thing to do. In our food notes, you will find these sources for statistics we drew on today, the Cracked Articles indexing a lot of the tropes that we blew out today, and exciting fun food notes for following both these fantastic guests as they do their comedy. Hallie Cantor wrote on Hulu's new show, it's entitled Dollface, and it premieres November 15th of the year 2019, so pretty soon after this episode drops. 
You can also find Tiff Stevenson on tour many, many places. For instance, if you're in New York, she will be at Union Hall in Brooklyn in January. So an exciting United States opportunity to see Tiff Stevenson. Also, you can find her and Hallie on Twitter. And then you can find Tiff acting in the show Game Face, which is also on Hulu. Uh, We were talking off mic about how it's fun those titles are similar. And it's also fun that they are both fun, fantastic shows. Check them out. Also, for source highlights, I want to in particular pick out the interview with Benioff and Weiss. Uh, Those are the last names of the two main Game of Thrones showrunners who did a whole long Austin Film Festival interview about how they just sort of fumbled and lucked their way through making the entire show. Really bracingly honest. I'm very impressed. And in particular, at one point, the network said they needed to involve uh, other people in the writing of it. And so they just grabbed their assistant to do it, which I feel is a little slapdash. But that's just me. And in other news about this show, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. This episode was engineered by Sam Kiefer and edited by Chris Souza. If you love this episode, that's great. If you hated this show, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. A category of thing that probably brings like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to your mind when you hear social media. I think we are all underrating Pinterest. I like Pinterest a lot. I am not joking. I am not like doing a bit here. It's good uh, for recipes, especially. And it's a it's a pretty positive service. It's also a service whose user base is predominantly female. I think those things are probably related. My Pinterest is not public. It's it's really just for my use. But my Twitter account is it is at Alex Schmitty. My Instagram is at Alex Schmitzagram. And I'm on the wider Internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. That's got my show dates, my fun email newsletter of free Internet stuff, tips and more. And I'm here to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcast. So how about that? Talk to you then.